The Afterburn Podcast is a proud supporter of Guns Gear Memorial Foundation, helping our veterans and their families when they need it most. To learn more, visit gunsgarin.com slash rain. Want to make a podcast? Let me tell you about Spotify's program for podcasters, and it's called Spotify for Podcasters. I've been using it for over a year now. Couldn't be happier from the switch. You can record wherever you create podcasts, whether it be your phone, computer, and it's easy to upload it and distribute it to everywhere podcasts are heard. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. Best of all, Spotify for Podcasters is completely free. So launch your podcast today. Get started with Spotify for Podcasters. Go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. You're listening to the Afterburn Podcast, episode number 19. Altitude. Altitude. Tower 26 is really CU, runway 4 left, wind 040 at 5, clear for takeoff. Seat tied, Altitude is our eyes, we're clear for takeoff, clear for the airspace. Fire protector. And give a, a geographical area. Uh, this, we were on the outskirts of Belgrade, um, kind of west of Belgrade, heading north, and they called a SAM launch in, uh, over Belgrade. And I knew I was kind of close, but I was a little offset to the west. And, uh, so I kind of looked to my right over to Belgrade, and this, this um, huge, you know, looks like a Saturn V thing, you know, <laughs> arching up. And I'm on the, my target run. I'm about, you know, I'm probably uh, exactly 30, 45 seconds before my bomb was supposed to drop. And, and I, it was an antenna, and I kind of had it doped out pretty well as I'm going, so I had a little time. So I look over, and I see this missile coming up. And I knew my my number two guy was over there somewhere, you know. And then I see another one. That is the voice of my guest today, retired Lieutenant Colonel Charlie Hainline, call sign Tuna. We flew Heritage Flight together. That's where we first met. Tuna is a phenomenal human being. In that segment, he is talking about his F-117 days on that sortie here in the Distinguished Flying Cross. I'll be honest, we don't talk in great detail about that on this episode. There's still things about it that are classified, but it is still an interesting story. Tuna has flown nearly everything underneath the sun. His military aircraft include the A-10, the F-18, the F-117, and the F-4. He is a Warbird pilot. We'll talk about that. He also is a Warbird restorer. Tuna is quite an accomplished individual. I think you'll enjoy this episode. Before we get rolling, if you're enjoying it, Please head over to iTunes, hit like, subscribe, and leave me a rating review. That will help me out. All right, with that been knocked out, let's get into the episode with Tuna. Hope you enjoy the episode. Tuna, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Excited to have you on here and, and talk a little bit about your aviation career. Good to be here. So can we start with just a little elevator pitch of who you are and the 30-second snapshot of your career, which is going to be really tough to do, and then we're going to dig into it. <laughs> Gotcha. Uh, Charlie Hainline, uh, Lieutenant Colonel, retired USAF. Um, started out flying a civilian, got my license, went to the Air Force around 1986, and then went to uh, pilot training at Vance Air Force Base in Oklahoma, then to the A-10 in uh, Korea, and then uh, Louisiana. Then to the F-117, a little bit at Tonopah, but mostly at Holloman. 
Air Force Base, and then um, to a Navy Exchange Line F-18 Hornets, and then back to Holloman to fly the F-117 again, and then I flew uh, F-4s with the German Air Force based at Holloman as well, and then walked over to cross the ramp to uh, the drone F-4s at Holloman. Uh, that was my career, then got out and joined Southwest Airlines, where I recently retired. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> great, great to be there. <laughs> <laughs> big smile on his face. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't want to just, you know, completely, you know, skip over the A-10 because it would make Shiv feel bad. But he did. I did have an interview with him, and he talked about it. I'm, I haven't talked to anyone who flew the F-117, which to me is, oh. like, really fascinating. You had mm -hmm. to be kind of in the beginning wave. If I'm doing my math right, based on your age, and I'm pretty good with math. <laughs> uh, but yeah, were you kind of the the initial cadre or showing up soon into that wave? I would say I was that early. I was probably that next wave after. It was, it was kind of um, uh, right when it came out of the black is about when I got into it. So not real early, but not real late. Um, I got into it in 19... Uh, 92. So it was just after the Gulf War. And, um, and I got there. Basically, we still had a detachment flying out of Tunis, Mouche, you know, Saudi Arabia, that we rotated through every three months. And um, so I did, I missed the, the big Gulf War. But I did get to fly one mission over Iraq uh, post uh, Gulf War uh, in 1990. Let me see, early 93. Um, I was not very well advertised but we <laughs> went and dropped some bombs they were they were shooting in the no-fly zone you know and and we uh we destroyed some of their surface to air stuff so that's wild what was it like flying the stink bug it was you know it was really interesting no doubt i mean it was um you know it was a different mission that a normal fighter pilot was used to i guess uh kind of uh more of a bomber roll you know and we were kind of we call ourselves attack because it's cooler than the <laughs> bomber roll but uh, but it was really basically a bomber you know a straight line two bombed stealthy mission but it was really interesting and uh the neat thing was is you know if, if there's something going on in the world we were on the hook you know to go and that was exciting and uh and pretty cool so but there's a lot of night flying a lot of single ship you know um and which is not great, but yeah, it's overall interesting <laughs> for one tour. Maybe two tours was a little overkill, but <laughs> yeah, you loved it so much. You had to go back after flying the horse. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That was the, the all volunteer air force and I non-volunteered to that. But uh, anyway, it was great. I'm glad I did it. It all worked out great. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> the, uh, so you, yeah, weren't a volunteer for that, but I mean, that was, again, it was kind of popping up and I guess they were pulling guys from all different, uh, weapon systems to kind of go fill it. Yeah. So I, I was a volunteer the first time I went, <laughs> so that was actually back then it was, it was a kind of a process. It was an application, uh, letters, of recommendation, stuff like that. So it was a little more, uh, involved and then you got chosen to go. Uh, and then later a couple, uh, maybe two or three years after I got in, they kind of turned it into a normal, uh, assignment process like any other fighter, you know, you just, uh, you know, get assigned or volunteer or whatever. So, yeah. But when I went, uh, it was just when they were leaving Tonopah, going down to Holloman, and I got in. I did some of my training up at Tonopah, but uh, most of everything down at Holloman. Was it challenging flying that, or was it just? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> 
No. Uh, it had its challenging parts. And the airplane was very uh, a nice airplane to fly. I mean, it was it, it didn't accelerate very well uh, because of the exhaust, you know. <laughs> it, uh, would, but it uh, it was nicely set up. Had a great autopilot. Um, it flew well. You know, they called it the wobbly goblin. And that's just because it's just is kind of unstable. It, but it was no big deal. I mean, it was just kind of wallered around sometimes at different airspeeds but uh no it was, it was easy to fly and the mission mission was um probably one of the most difficult things is believe it or not air to air refueling just from the aspect of finding a tanker and joining with a tanker um we didn't have radar we didn't have we didn't even have air to air attack in for a long time and uh so it was a point parallel you know timing you know if you had a good tanker crew it was pretty easy if you didn't it was tough <clears throat> or if you're the second guy to the tank, yeah. Or something. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was that was a could be a challenge, and and the cockpit was set up not to do visual stuff. I mean, so there's a lot of reflection from the flat planes of glass. So at yeah. night, it was difficult to to see out and find the tanker, and then you know to maneuver was was not easy, especially if you had a two ship with you. But yeah, something I'm just thinking about flying formation with that. So no air to air tack in initially. So for those who don't know, like being able to get ranges from other aircraft airborne, but did you fly with NVGs? No, uh, not until later. Uh, and I missed that. So that came after I left the second time even. So my whole first tour was no NVGs and most of my second tour, well, all of it really was, but they were just getting it as I left the second tour. So, so how, yeah. do, so how do you find the tanker at night with no air to air attack and when they, Goof up, point parallel. Right. Well, a lot of luck. Some <laughs> trying to build SA. You know, I'm, I'm, hey, where are you? We're in, in in the. I flew in combat in Bosnia, so there we had the four corners of a tanker track labeled. You know, uh, the northeast corner would be uh, Maine. The northwest gotcha. corner would be Oregon. Kind of like that. So where are you? Oh, I'm over Oregon. Okay, so I'd head over that direction. You know, and hopefully hopefully see him out there. But the problem is, is some brilliant senior officer decided, well, paint tankers really dark and put very few lights on them because I don't know why, but <laughs> keep it, keep it tactical, keep real tactical because, you know, of course we're over friendly territory trying to find this guy and our mission depends on that. So anyway, so one thirty fives were terribly hard to find. KC 10s were a little easier, uh, but a lot of it was SA. And then, um, Later on, when they got Pacer Craig in the in the tankers, then they would we'd let them join on us a lot of the time, so it helped a little bit. But it was it was no doubt difficult, and and even the best guys, you know, had issues. Uh, you know, it's just hard to do um, at night, you know, and especially in weather, which of course tankers are always in the weather. So they always find the one uh, cloud. One exactly. <laughs> so hopefully, there's not any tanker guys listening. Yeah, they, they uh, should because they always find the one cloud. Oh, it's incredible. I remember one time in the A-10 being refueling in the weather. And and then when I was done, they gave me a clearance to climb. And I climbed literally 500 feet and I was in the clear. Right. <laughs> so I go, oh, there you go, standard. Yeah, I think I've, I mean, I'm sure everyone has a story like that. Because I remember there was one time in Iraq, I was refueling. And you, like, it was just like a shark's tail sticking above yeah, the yeah, weather. Exactly. <laughs> You're like, if we just climbed 10 feet even. 
Exactly. We, we would be in the clear and my life would be so much nicer right now. That's right. That's within the error of the altimeter is 10 <laughs> right. feet. I mean, it's legal. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Oh, no, no, no. This is what we're assigned. Well, could we ask for something different? You know? No, no, no. Nah, you know. It's yeah, character it's building. Hard. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So that was that was a challenge. The other challenge in 117 was um, depending on – it was kind of a mental thing to where, you know, all our imagery was – I say all, but 90 percent was taken from a satellite – uh, view basically straight down on top of the target when we're coming in at a slant range you know we're coming in at a, at a, a flat angle so until we get right directly over the target everything's looking forward and down a little bit so you had to kind of translate that satellite image of your target to what you're going to see in the sensors and uh, uh, that for some people was harder than others depending on how your you know your mind is or you know, right. your left brain right brain or whatever um, it was kind of hard to do. They gave us offsets and stuff, which you probably had in the Viper as well, um, to uh, to tighten things up. But when I started out, our, our uh, INS was a B-52 INS, which uh, spun beryllium steel balls for its gyroscopic, you know, thing or something. <laughs> and it, it was pretty good for the that type of INS, but it was not GPS updated then. It was nothing. It was so... It's good when you need a carpet bomb. Right. <laughs> exactly. Not, Back in Mountain, they worked just fine. Not when you need to drop one bomb through a stovepipe. That's right. Not so much. So we'd update that on, we'd, uh, in, here in the States, we'd, uh, we'd do it on TACAMs, um, actually TACAM stations, because they're very well uh, uh, referenced, you know, as right. far as geographically. So they were very accurately referenced. So we could put all, you know, four digits of uh, coordinates in there. I mean, four past the decimal point. And uh, and do an offset, and then find the TAC and then update on the TAC and itself, and that would help. But was it, uh, was it a pretty good drift rate in that INS? It could be. Some were some were pretty good, but as they got older, they got worse, of course, and and it would drift. You know, you'd want on a normal stateside training mission, which would be maybe an hour and a half all around. You know, just civilian targets out out in New Mexico or whatever. You'd want probably two updates in that hour and a half at least to, oh, to wow. help you. Yeah. They, they plan for that. Of course in, um, you know, combat there's not, you know, they don't have a lot of tech hands out there. <laughs> we got surveyed. So strange. <laughs> the bad yeah, guys didn't, didn't give yeah. good reference points to update, you know, the weapons. Yeah, that's systems. right. Yeah. So that, it's a little different. And that's one thing too, thinking about, you know, all the combat that I flew, I mean, it's mostly close air support. So you're wheeling mm-hmm. it up. And doing yeah. a target talk on, and there's time to like figure out for the most part what building is what. But predominantly in F-117, it's fly the black line, drop the bombs, and turn and go. Like minimize your footprint in the enemy territory. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Our our uh, our defense was stealth and flying the planned route or route. Um, so that in- included many altitude changes. Uh, so uh, from a profile view of our route, it was. It was, you know, very zigzaggy, you know, up and yeah. down, up and down, up and down, and left and right and left and right. And that was to, you know, because we weren't um, invisible, we were low observable. So right. uh, on the, on the, especially on the double-digit SAMs are really good. So that SAMs uh, and, um, and the good operators, you had to really avoid them. So our routes would, would take us around them and change altitudes to spoof the, the missiles. And, and um, so our, our routes were very... Um, random looking you know but very very uh, well planned out by the the mission planners so yeah, yeah. 
I know this is your second tour. We'll, we'll jump back to the Hornet, but you, Kosovo, that was involved in your second tour in the Stink Bug. I envision Tina right. just kicking the door down, going into Kosovo. <laughs> what was uh it, what was Kosovo like it was uh interesting we uh we flew from Spangdalen, germany so we had a, uh our squadron the, the uh, i was in the ninth fighter squadron and the eighth fighter squadron flew out of aviano italy uh so they had a pretty short uh trip there ours was about two plus hours to get down to the tanker track which was over hungary and um Budapest area, and then uh, fly our mission, which was maybe 30, 45 minutes, depending on, on what it was, and then tank, and then get drugged back home. Uh, so they're about a six-hour evolution uh, takeoff to landing uh, there. So that was, it was pretty grueling, you know. <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, they're a long, um, long mission. So, uh, but it was great being out of Spain all, you know, very nice. We, uh, we had good accommodations. <laughs> full, full per diem, I'm sure. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank Food you. Was good. Thank you for yeah. your service. <laughs> so just one, like one pre-vol tank into the target area, and then probably mm-hmm. one post-vol, and then you're on your way home. That's right. Yeah, we we pre-tanked and uh, you know hung on the tanker until our individual times. So there were two airplanes per tanker, uh, and I think we usually had three different tanker tracks um, with uh, two. Uh, well, uh, four airplanes, two tankers, four airplanes-ish, you know, sometimes another one, depending on. And um, so we go two ship to the tanker, get drugged down there to the track, orbit, fuel, orbit, fuel, and wait until our TOT uh, came up. And then we stealth up and leave the tanker track, go do our thing and come back, be stealth, try to find the tanker. And then uh, <laughs> give your trust that that all works. And it sometimes almost didn't work. We I've, I knew stories, buddies of mine, that were just moments from diverting before they could find the tanker. So I, was, uh, I don't think anyone had to. I think everyone eventually did it, but it was pretty, pretty scotch sometimes. Yeah, nothing like just riding on fumes and trying yeah. to make, trying to make it happen. Like those are like the most stressful times, at least for me. Absolutely, right? absolutely. And you don't want to be that guy, you know. Nobody, nobody does. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want a new call sign out of this. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. the one I got's bad enough. <laughs> yeah. On those Kosovo sorties, I mean, was it, just, again, just flying the black line and mm-hmm. uh, dropping two bombs and heading home? Was that the normal battle, battle rhythm for you guys? It was, yeah. And uh, sometimes we had two targets. Most of the time, both bombs were dropped on a single target. And uh, we were we were fried against um, mostly well a lot of different actually a lot of a lot of communication stuff antennas big tall transmission antennas we got that was kind of a new thing and they go hey can you pick out an you know big tall two thousand foot antenna and go, well, maybe so we yeah. try it and we drop it at the base of the antenna and and, and tumble tumble it. Um, that was kind of a new thing we didn't expect. Um, and then uh, bridges, <clears throat> excuse me, bridges, uh, petroleum, uh, POL, whatever that stands for, yeah, petroleum yeah. lubricants. So. <laughs> Those <laughs> facilities, yada, yada, they're gas. That's right. <laughs> no oil. I remember I'm retired. <laughs> um, and uh, different buildings, you know, factories, you know, if we they found intel on, um, you know, some high-level, uh, you know, People hiding away, we drop on them. And- this is going to sound weird. Um, 
but dropping on TV antennas or antennas in general, that'd be kind of a tough thing to find in the sensor, I would imagine. Exactly. Very, very, very difficult. It was some, some of them are, were, I mean, some of them were huge. I mean, they, I don't, I don't know, some of them were, oh, I don't know, had, had this, this big ball on the top of them, you know, and it was yeah. a spire type thing, you know, and, which was weird. But a lot of them were just those thin, like you see around, you know, around here, you know, just a, a latticework metal deal that goes up and, um, yeah, they in a high humidity, which back then our, our stuff was uh, was really uh, uh, you know first generation FLIR right. kind of well maybe second, but I mean it wasn't like it is now, like the kids get now. You know? Yeah, just nice. Uh, I can see I can see that TV antenna for miles. That's right. We had to <clears throat> tune and gain manually, and there was an auto setting, but it didn't work good enough. So high humidity, we had to manually adjust the gain of the FLIR to break out the target, which was, and it was grainy anyway. Cause right. it was good. so it was a pretty test. I mean, it, you couldn't do it without an autopilot. It was, you know, you really either had to have another guy in the airplane, which nobody wants, or uh, <laughs> I just threw up thinking about that <laughs> or, uh, or a good autopilot. So that, you know, you're on autopilot and, uh, and really concentrate on the target, make sure you got it. And then, then tuning and gaining to, to increase the quality of the picture to where the laser, you know, gets a nice shot at it. And then, uh, but yeah, it was difficult. It was really hard. That's why I don't, have, I don't have a terrible amount of experience with the lantern pod, mostly sniper pod, which was nice. Uh, but even still like on those long target run-ins, like it, it still could be, you know, five, six, four miles until you're almost to the target where you're like, no kidding, breaking everything out. And that that's what it right. is. Unless it's something just obvious, like a bill, you know, 10 story building out in the middle of nowhere, right? Like you'll see that, but a TV antenna, that's something in my mind would be really challenging to hit. It was, and we really depended on, on good offsets. So, you know, we'd click over to an offset, you know, a bridge or a big road intersection, yeah. find off that and come back. And that got to be where, you know, um, if you, if you had good offsets, you know, you, and you got to trust the system too. Sometimes you get a really late show. So you, you got to be patient and, you know, you see the, uh, TT, uh, TTG on the display was time to go. TTI was time to impact. So TTG was where, when the bomb's <laughs> going to go, you know. So you really got to have it doped out, you know, especially if there's a no collateral damage allowed deal, you know. So, boy, it got really intense there, you know, the short hairs, you know, to, to you feel the doors opening and go, oh, I'm pretty sure that's it, you know. And then the bomb goes away and then hopefully you got it. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I want to say I'll paint this picture here. Uh, you and I had flown a bunch together doing mm -hmm. heritage flights. So th that's a whole nother aspect too we can talk about, but you've right. fly a lot of warbirds and you've been doing it for a long time and you you build and restore warbirds, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. So I'd say we had a history together. You had an engine failure while you're on my wing. That's right. Yeah. So just good times. Um, <laughs> so I'd say we'd, we'd been through a few things. Yep. But we were at an air show in Miami, and your wife mentioned that you had a distinguished flying cross. So in all this time that I've known you, the things we've been through, you never once mentioned this. But to me, it's a very fascinating story because you've been you've done a lot in your career, and, and I think it's very admirable. Uh, but I would like you. you just to, if you could tell me a little bit about that sortie and, and what happened, because to me, it's fascinating. It's very humbling just to know you and call you a friend. Oh, well, you're too kind. Way too kind. I, I, uh, you can pay me $20 later. Yeah, yeah that checks in the mail. <laughs> uh, 
Well, it was a uh, it was an interesting night, and and some of this I, I don't know what has been declassified. So uh, fair enough. Yeah, but but generally um, <laughs> <laughs> that way I can get away with anything. But, uh, we're going to generally. The yeah, we uh, we were on the target, and um, the other F one seventeen in the cell. We had a, a kind of a parallel target run, but a ways off, you know, ten miles parallel. I'm not like real close, but. Uh, and he, uh, we were getting targeted a lot by surface air missiles. A lot of people don't understand how much, you know, it wasn't like those videos of the Gulf War where you see, you know, all this bullets spraying up in the air. It wasn't that, but there was actually quite a bit of AAA and at times, uh, quite a few missiles being fired, uh, up SA-3 types and, and, and various others. So, <clears throat> um, anyway, we were, uh, on a parallel track and, and my wingman, or I can't remember if I was flight leader, the wingman didn't really matter, but, um, I, the, the, the CJ Viper guys would, would announce over one of our frequencies, you know, a missile launch over and give a, a geographical area. Uh, this, we were on the outskirts of Belgrade, um, kind of west of Belgrade heading north and they called a SAM launch and, uh, over Belgrade. And I knew I was kind of close, but, I was a little offset to the west, and so I kind of looked to my right over to Belgrade, and this this um, huge, you know, looks like a Saturn V thing, you know, <laughs> arching up. I'm on the, my target run. I'm about, you know, I'm probably, uh, I can't remember exactly, 30, 45 seconds before my bomb was supposed to drop, and, and I it was an antenna, and I kind of had it doped out pretty well as I'm going, so I had a little time. So I looked over, and I see this missile coming up and I knew my my number two guy was over there somewhere you know and then I see another launch and from from the air and you've probably seen it but uh you know it's to see a surface air missile launch from, at night from the air to look like, <laughs> exactly what you'd expect this big glow and, and even from that far away you can see a lot of detail the plume of the yeah. you know the smoke going and and then you see that just this ball of fire, you know, coming um, up <laughs> towards you. <laughs> this telephone pole, bigger than a telephone pole. Yeah, exactly. And in our defense, they, they say, you know, you can't click the autopilot off. Our, the best defense is to do nothing. Really? Yeah, because turning or banking increases, maybe, you know, you just don't know what it's going to do to right. your cross section. So uh, staying on that black line is your best. Thanks. So they say, lower your seat. <laughs> Think skinny. Yeah, think skinny, lower your seat, put a big map over your window so you can't see what's happening, and that's maybe the best idea. But uh, <laughs> so, so I'm going, and um, uh, as I'm heading towards this target, one missile explodes, the other one kind of goes up in space, and and um, so I don't know if it hit him or you know because we had to have one shot down, you know, a while back, and right. So anyway. Um, so we continue to our, uh, our well, I, you know, by this time now, when I see that segment blow up, now I'm about, you know, a couple of seconds before my bomb drops. So my doors open, I track my target and um, go to the impact of the bomb and um, blow that thing up and then clean up. And then I'm, I'm heading to the uh, tanker track. And, um, well, I get there and the, um, you know, I, I take my gas and my number two guys nowhere to be found. And, um, so he, uh, 
you know, we wait around and wait around and see if it just doesn't show up. And uh, the uh, interesting part was, well, we, you know, circled and circled and circled. And the tanker guys say, we got to, we got to go, you know, <laughs> pretty, pretty quick. Because they got fuel issues as well, you know. They're right. giving us gas, and they got to get back to, uh, I think, uh, Ramstein or Frankfurt. Or I can't remember where they're flying up. But um, so I said, well, you know, can, you know, is it helping you put plastics down? I mean, can you? Is there something you can max range? I'll just hang out, you know, because yeah. um, I had pretty much uh, topped off, so I have plenty of gas. And they, so they go, yeah, uh, we can. I go, you can save some fuel for, you know, if he comes back, you know. And so they were calculating all that. And these were Sky Harbor uh, Phoenix Guard guys, really good, yeah. uh, group of really professional, awesome, awesome tanker bots. And they, so they did save gas, and they they ran around and, and you know conserved as much as we could. But um, we're sitting there, and all of a sudden, uh, the boomer says, "Hey, there's a 117 without lights on coming up to the pre-contact position." So. Um, but his, his, he couldn't tell if his door was open because he was out of lights. Well, as it turns out, uh, whether the missile hit him or not, but he, the EMP, what you know, his airplane wasn't in really good shape yeah. it that way. <laughs> a little, <laughs> little, little banged up. A little banged up, yeah. And uh, so he um, he goes, well, uh, I go, well, put the pro, you know, stick the boom in it. <laughs> you know, stick him and start putting gas in him. So he did, and he kind of fell off the the boom and, and kind of drifted back. So we didn't know if he was single engine or what kind of problems he was having. Um, and um, so I kind of instructed the tanker, "Hey, can you you know you know come left, come right, put your flaps down, slow down. He might be having problems and and this and that." And so he did, and uh, and we found him again, and he came back up, and they refueled him as well. And um, not all the gas was going in his airplane. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. And uh, so, uh, anyway, that's about the, the size of the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess, you know, we just um, uh, kind of worked together as a team to get him back. And he, he ended up making it back. He kind of disappeared again for a while, but he made it back to Spangdahl and um, lived to tell the tale. So, I guess that's kind of the conclusion. <laughs> I probably said too much. <laughs> we'll scrub yeah. it. There'll just be long bleeps in this in this podcast. But yeah. you know, there were some cool right. stories. Yeah. The uh, yeah. no, that's I mean that's wild. I know it'd be incredibly challenging too, just flying on his wing and supporting him when you guys again yeah. are kind of limited as far as what you have compared to right. most fighters. Exactly. Yeah, we're in a poor visibility. Uh, not a really well-designed cockpit for that kind of stuff, you know, and it was, uh, it was a challenge. So yeah, it was, uh, it was a challenge to stay on the target run <laughs> with, with missiles in the air, but, uh, and just to get him kind of help him out and get him back. And, uh, Tanger, Tanger was about to leave. He was going to say, we're, we're out of here. So I guess it was my good, uh, uh, what's, what's a good word for it? Uh, uh, convincing, you know, skills yeah. of <laughs> how to manipulate and convince hey. people to do things you want them to do. Yeah, you know what? I mean, being a used car salesman. Hey, I mean, <laughs> it helps. Don't tell it yourself helps. short. The uh, that aspect too. You're talking about like the target run. I think I mean most most people probably can appreciate it. You know, an F-16 when doing the Wild Weasel mission, 
as people get their different tactics, right? It depends on the, the scenario and what the mission is, mm-hmm. right? But as stuff starts going south, if you have the ability to defend yourself, uh, we're going to start moving right. very quickly and pulling G's, right. trying to do it. So there's a lot to be said for uh, just think skinny and keep driving straight on the black line. Like that's not, I, I, I wouldn't like doing that. <laughs> no. And it's, it's, it's easy when there's nothing happening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's hard when there's stuff in the air. And, uh, um, and that was, that was the thing is, and I, I'm trying to think, I'd seen a missile launch when I did that mission, um, over Iraq, you know, right post Gulf war, yeah. my first tour, no one seventeen. So I'd kind of seen that, but it was, there was just a little bit there, but you know, this, this was, there was a lot more, you know, popping up, uh, and that, but that was probably the first close up, you know, missile launch that I had seen, you know, so it was, uh, it was a little unnerving. Always fun getting telephone poles shot at you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, what could go wrong? Yeah, this is just, this would be fun. This would be fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I appreciate you telling that story. Just to kind of jump back in between there. You did a, a Hornet exchange with the Navy, right? How was yeah. how was flying the Mighty Hornet? Oh, it was great. It was uh, it was a uh, you know I I some. I hate to say it was maybe my best tour I had in the Air Force was in the Navy, but <laughs> well, you weren't you weren't on a boat. You didn't go on the boat, did you? Not not for a cruise. No, I did get carrier qualified. But you got to um, leave but, the carrier. That's the main thing. I got after about five days, which was perfect because <laughs> <laughs> it's very exciting. It's it's a very neat atmosphere to be in yeah. for five days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, not six months. <laughs> so yeah, I was, I was it couldn't work out better. So I was. Uh, I went to VFA 106 at Cecil Field in 1995, and um, was my assignment was to be uh, a RAG instructor, RQ RAG okay. replacement group. So this the schoolhouse that teach people. So I went through the whole long course, uh, which included carrier qual, and they actually gave me the choice. I didn't have to get carrier qual, but yeah. I really wanted to. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, it was it was a great experience. Um, so I. <clears throat> Went through that and uh, and got carry called on the constellation on the uh, west coast. Actually, we flew all the way to the west coast for that, and then um, became an instructor and instructed there for three years, which was um, fantastic. It was a great tour. I love the Hornet; it was a great airplane. Um, I had later got some. I got maybe six hours in F sixteen at test pilot school when we took our F fours there. Yeah, grade flight. So I got a little F sixteen time, so I can compare it a little bit, but. But the Hornet was more conventional, I guess. You know, the, the Viper was, you know, side stick and, and stuff is a, a little different. But, yeah, I, I just loved it. It was a great tour. Yeah, I imagine, too. I mean, obviously, just the maneuverability of it, being able to fly slow and it really yeah. like that, that's pretty pretty cool aspect of the Hornet. It, it was pretty amazing how slow you could get that thing. It still have full control, you know. It, uh, <clears throat> but there were, there were downsides to that, too. <laughs> you know, it departed often. Really? Know, and there was... Yeah, there's a pretty good because we weren't uh, we weren't limited um, by AOA at all. Right. So we were G limited, but not Alpha limited. So yeah, if you got beyond the uh, the Alpha, boy, it, it it you know point one way, point the other way, and then snap around and do this falling leaf thing that could be pretty disconcerting. <laughs> yeah, slightly. That's why yeah. I mean I like the Viper. It's like just pull as hard as you can, and then when it can't right. do it anymore, it's going to say nope. You're too no, dumb. I'm not no going to do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you won't be able to handle this. So That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did a uh one uh one quick story. It was uh my fighter uh upgrade 
with a buddy of mine, and he was, you know, instructing me on how to be an instructor. And we, so it was two instructors going out. It was a great time. And uh, we did a lot of uh, bantering. So, you know, Air Force, Navy, blah, 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 blah. You know. And he was a Hornet baby. He had 3,000 hours of Hornet. You know? yeah. and I wasn't really an air-to-air guy anyway. Right. And I, you know, <laughs> 60 hours in the Hornet. But, I, of course, I tell him I was going to kick his butt. Yeah, naturally. <laughs> That's right. So we go to a high aspect meet in the middle, and I and I, everyone said he always goes down. So I'm going up. So I was going to be, you know, Mister Different, go up. So I point that nose, that order straight up, and and I'm looking for him, and I lose him. And this is a Key West, so over the water, you know, like, I lose him, and but then I got a little distracted, got slow, and and you know I'm, you know, worst place to be you know, like this, you know. So. <laughs> And it just, it just le- boomed the parts and just starts swinging and falling leaves. And the best thing to do is just, you know, grab onto the, the handles, the towel rack, not the ejection, but the, t- the handles up on the canopy bow, you know. Just let it go. Let it go and ride it out. And lucky, if it gets bad enough, it'll tell you, you know, push the stick left or push the stick right or, you yeah. know, to, you know, really, but it didn't get that bad. But man, I was sure, uh, you know, he couldn't track that. I'll tell you. I was, was, <laughs> yeah, was going to say, that's a pretty tough target to hit. That's right. That was my plan all along. <laughs> take this so. thing and I'm going to take it out of control. Yeah. That's right. You'll never expect that. That's awesome. Yeah. But that was, uh, it was a great airplane, though. And the carrier, the carrier qual deal was, um, was I've always, I had always wanted to do that, but I just didn't really want to be in the Navy guy. So. Yeah. Yep. Tuesday. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so it was good to, good to see you both, you know. Yeah. Five days After. is perfect. Exactly. It was. It was exactly perfect. And usually I got to fly a jet off, you know, so I'd fly, fly a jet home. And so that was nice. And, but yeah, it was really, really neat. So after I got carrier qualified, um, you know, I really enjoyed it. And I got a, a phone call uh, at six o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. The Air Force doesn't fly on Sundays, that's right? right? That's right. So it was my squadron commander who was a fire breathing, dyed in the wall naval aviator. And and he personally pinned and not only pinned, slammed my Navy wings on my chest when I got qualified, and he was just a great guy. Great leader became a he became a, a four star admiral later. Uh, but anyway, he uh, he uh, calls me up, and says, "Hey, like, uh, you know, you want to go bag traps this morning? <laughs> and bagging traps is is going around the pattern, just landing on the ship over and over and over yeah. again. You know, because the, the Navy, the amount of traps you have is the is you know, makes you King Kong or not? Yeah, I that's guess, a big deal. They 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 always put it in their bio. Like it's that's right. It's a well, big deal. Over, yeah, this is 180. So, I, so the answer because I wanted to fly his jet still and his his squadron. The answer was absolutely sure. I can't think of anything I'd rather do this Sunday morning. You know, which I just got back. I didn't make a fool out of myself too bad. You know, yeah. <laughs> I was, I didn't bend any metal. And I go, man, maybe I should just quit while I'm ahead. But the answer was, of course, yes, I want to go. So anyway, we went out. And the Stennis was doing a shakedown, and it was a buddy of his was the captain, and he called him up and said, hey, you want to, you know, because they need a certain amount of landings right. to certify their ship. So we went out of the sixth ship of Hornets, and, and got, I got 10 landings, you know. And so now I had 26 total landings on a ship. And uh, I go, shoot, that's not, that's a quarter of the way to being a Centurion, which is a big thing. You know? yeah, I mean, get a patch. You know, yeah, let's get a patch. <laughs> <laughs> So I volunteered to be, they call it the tower flyer, which is like in the Air Force, the soft supervisor of flying. Uh, basically, you stand up in the tower with the air boss, who's a crusty, angry, you know, lieutenant colonel <laughs> running the show, you know, up there. 
And if the students that we had students, you know, were qualifying, had a, either an emergency, you, you read them the book, tell them what to do, tell them to divert, give them the information or, or give them advice, blah, blah, or the boss, air boss would yell at you for something they did that was stupid. So you're kind of <laughs> <laughs> perfect. So, perfect. So none of the Navy guys really wanted to do it, you know, so I, you know, cause they'd been on the cruise and I had, so I'd go up there, my brown boots, my uh, Navy right. wings, my blue, <laughs> my blue <laughs> Air Force rank. <laughs> the one boss goes, look at me with some expletives, uh, deleted said uh looked me from foot you know head to foot and goes what the hell are you <laughs> go, i'm your navy exchange here for some happy to be here happy to serve <laughs> so anyway so anyway so i would do that and then if there was time and the airplane available i'd i'd run down someone to replace me and i'd go around the pattern get three four five six sometimes landings so i did that and i did that you know over my three years uh, to where I mean, my goal was to try to get a hundred landings, but then I got the idea better than a hundred is a hundred and one because then at the bar, I can always say, I got well over a hundred traps, it's no big deal, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I wouldn't be lying, you know, one more than a hundred is well over a hundred on this business. So, <laughs> so, my last my last deployment before I was rotating back to the Air Force, uh, I needed like seven landings, which is quite a few. And um, and I got like one day I got three, so then the next day I needed four before I went down. It was everything was winding down, and this Air Boss particular guy was a crusty old Navy guy. He uh, I was up there, you know, I'm doing my tour, and I said, "Hey, boss, I think I'm going to get get able to to get some landings, you know, uh, but I really need five, you know." I really, really need five. This is my last tour. You know, can you make that happen? And he looks at me and he goes, "Well, I can grab it. You know, why, why do you need five? And I go, "Well, because that'll make a hundred and one." And he kind of looks at me funny. and goes, "Why would you want a hundred and one when? Uh, <laughs> would you want to stop at a hundred, make a nice run there?" I go, "I go, no." Oh, sorry. In the bar, I can say I got well over hundred grams. He thought that was pretty funny. He goes, "Oh well, you know, but, you know, I'll see what we can do." You know, okay. So. I get the call, okay, you can go. Kind of so I came down, ran, get my stuff together, and, and ran back up and got in a, in a jet. And, 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 and I was the only one out there. <laughs> and so he put me on, I think, the, uh, the furthest uh, starboard cat. It's on the right side. Starboard cat, cat uh, four, I guess. I can't remember now how they're numbered. But anyway, and, um, and launched me off. And, of course, I, I had aileron into the turn, you know, on going down the cat track so I could make it fast, you know, so boom, I'm off in the turn to downwind, you know, and, and hooked down, getting all trimmed up, blah, 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 doing all my stuff, going around and around into the groove, boom, land, and they usually would take you to the far right catapult, starboard, but now they're taking me to the number two, I think it was, I think it was number right to left, so cat two, which in the, in the wires was like two seconds, you know, and then you hooks up, you turn, boom, settles down, you know, or, uh, Launch bars down, and then you're into boom. And then you, so it was too fast for an Air Force guy. Yeah. You know? But uh, but I went and I did it, and I did it, and got my. Now I go okay. Got launched for my fifth one, my hundred first. But I go, you know, I don't care if I get hundred two or three or four. I right. just want over hundred. So I'm having fun. So but I land on my hundred, uh, my last one to get hundred one, and they they would call you by the side number on your airplane. You know, three thirty, three thirty two, and so the boss goes. Hey, 330, how many traps do you have? <laughs> I go, well over 100, boss. He goes, 
Good, you're done. <laughs> Sent me a chalky and chained me, and that was it. And that was my last Navy landing. That's awesome. a carrier. So I was on the JFK, which is being decommissioned now. But yeah, pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah, so that's my. I got a couple other good Navy stories, but I know you got to go. Ah, that's awesome. I know we've just like ping ponged around here with your career, but you wrapped up active duty flying the F four, right? And so you did a flying German F4s, which I imagine was instructing, and then wrapped mm-hmm. up doing the drone F4s. What was it like going, I guess, man, I mean, just between 810 to the F-117 to the Hornet, back to the F-117, and then to the F4. I mean, you're stepping through the decades. Yeah. Yeah, I went backwards. I ended up in the old, the oldest airplane <laughs> in the inventory. It was really, you know, I'm an airplane guy. I like airplane. You know, I, I my goal was to fly as many different airplanes in the military as I could, and and achieved it which is not an easy thing to do no uh now i didn't become a general which uh <laughs> but you're happy and look at you now I'm happy and look at me now exactly right and i probably couldn't have ever been one anyway so that's <laughs> all, all good so, um yeah so i i was great i mean i loved every every airplane i got to fly you know everyone goes well what was your favorite one and I go, well you know a ten was great because of the gun and doing it oh the horn was really oh, I name them all and they're uh, once old wise guy told me, you know, when I asked what was his favorite, he goes, the one I'm in, you know, yeah. the one I'm flying at the time. So that's kind of how I feel. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, incredible aviation story. We didn't even talk about Warbirds, but I mean, I, I know Mustang, Thunderbolt. Yeah. Did you, what else have you been? Ch- I know you've recently got checked out a few more, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm rated in the uh, the Mustang, the P-47, the F-4U Corsair, the AD-1 Sky Raider. Um, the SBD Dauntless, a TBM Avenger, uh, B25, the B17. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and you're, uh, yeah. you're, you're building a T6 right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, just a jack of all trades, especially when it comes to aviation. Don't say the second part of that phrase. <laughs> <laughs> I left it off intentionally because. Very nice of you. <laughs> yeah. Again, it's $20. Yeah. It's going to get expensive. That's right. Exactly. It is. Yeah. Short attention span, I guess, or maybe ADHD or whatever. But uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the more, yeah, the more the merrier. So, yeah, I've, got, I've been very, very lucky. I don't, uh, it's not lost on me how, yeah. how lucky and fortunate. I wanted to do that ever since, you know, as a little kid, the, the Mustang, the P40. So, those were all my favorite. If I could have joined a military, you know, when I was an adult to fly those, I would have. You know, jets were just the next best thing. So no. it was great. It's great to be able to do it later. Yeah, that's incredible. Dude, I like to wrap up each podcast and ask, you know, the guest, if you found 15, 16-year-old Tuna walking the streets, would you have any advice for him, any recommendations mm-hmm. or changes? Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd say, uh, you know, you can do anything, you know. Every good parent tells his child, you know, there's nothing you can't do. And it's true, <laughs> largely. I mean, it's yeah. largely true. But there's always um, uh, barriers, you know. And and uh, uh, my kind of advice, and I gave this to my son, who's an F-16 pilot now. And uh, I said, you know, you got you to gotta beat on each door, knock it down. And some of them won't be easy to beat down, and some will be. But you got to just go until you get to the... The, the steel, you know, door that won't. And, um, and, but you still got to beat on it because yeah. you just never know. So, um, there's always obstacles and things that try to push you away from that goal. 
and and dissuade you and discourage you and and try to you know whether it's a physical thing a mental thing you know whatever um but if you want it bad enough you just keep pushing and, and it it'll happen i love it perfect way to wrap up the podcast right tuna you know. thank you for your time thank you for your service thank you for everything you've done it's uh it's great calling you a friend i really enjoyed flying with you hopefully we get to fly again soon one of these days i hope so too rain and thanks for having me it was quite the pleasure absolutely and thanks for your service too thank you enjoyed flying with you it was fun Thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Be back in two weeks with another round. Afterburn Podcast is a proud supporter of Guns Gear Memorial Foundation, helping our veterans and their families when they need it most. To learn more, visit gunsgarin.com slash rain.